0: I think those are the people I try to help. Those are the ones that get locked in with what is their gift. So the underlying message of my book is don't do what you love, do what Mm -hmm. you are. And how do you figure out what you are? Right. So my book, my work, it really helps people figure out what is your gift? What's your zone of genius? Because Mm -hmm. if you can swim from that first lily pad of just being in a job to a second one where you're truly using your zone of genius, people notice you. And when people notice you, you get opportunities. That's Mm. just how it works because people notice greatness. Jewish Money Matters, episode
1: 311, making a U-turn and designing your dream career with Ashley Stahl. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters, the podcast where Jewish wisdom and spirituality meet your money and your business. Money is a means to serve God in this world with joy, to build a life that leaves an imprint way beyond our time in this world. I want you to discover the secrets to Jewish wealth, to gain practical and spiritual tools to break free from the shackles of financial worry, to design the joyful, rich life that your soul desires. Welcome to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, and I'm so glad you're here. You just heard from career coach and best-selling author Ashley Stahl on making a U-turn that's why you turn? This is the topic of our conversation today. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trust, your host. Welcome to the show. My guest, Ashley Stahl, is a counterterrorism professional turned career coach, international best-selling author, and Fortune 500 spokesperson. Her book is "U Turn: Get Unstuck, Discover Your Direction, Design Your Dream Career." With more than seven million views, her TEDx talk on intuition and fulfillment is ranked amongst the top 100 TED talks on the internet. And her self-development show, The U-Turn Podcast, with 2 million downloads, is ranked amongst the top 100 mental health shows in the United States. So from counterterrorism to career coaching, how did that happen? How do you make a U-Turn? Of course, we talk about making these high stakes choices like choosing a career, changing careers, do what you are, not what you love, says Ashley. Purpose and your career, releasing the pressure there. Hmm. And practical tips on how to choose the career that best suits you. And where does the money come into play? So much gold in this interview. If you've ever been unhappy at work, or if you're unhappy at work, you'll want to pay close attention. Here's the lovely Ashley Stahl. Welcome to Jewish Money Matters. It's so great to have you on the show. Hello, fellow podcast friend. Thank you for having me. I am so excited. What took us so long to connect? Seriously. I know. I know. We, we women need to stick together. We need to stick together. You know, I'm a big fan of your work, Ashley, and there's so much that I could brag about you. Podcast Aww. host, author. TED Talks. I mean, there's so much going on. Career coach, you've done this successfully for a number of years, helping so many people all over the world. I guess maybe let's start with counterterrorism. I know your (laughs) career started in counterterrorism.
0: Yeah. How does that girl from LA? You're from LA, no? Yeah, I'm from LA.
1: How does a girl from LA end up encounter? I mean, it's not the thing that... How was that listed in the career counselor's office in I
0: college? Know. It definitely wasn't listed in the career counselor's office, I'll tell what? you. That. But I grew up and in, in my house. I mean, my dad was always watching politics every morning. And before everyone woke up, it would be me and him downstairs. He'd be having his coffee. And, you know, for better or worse, he'd tell me what he thought and he's, you know, kind of opposite sides of the political aisle to the the rest of my mom's side of the family. So he would get in heated arguments and I just kind of formed an opinion. I didn't really know what to do when I got to college, but it was just familiar to me. And I think the problem is that so many of us have to make these decisions in college around who we are, but we don't yet know who we are. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. I can
1: totally relate. Totally. Totally.
0: Yeah, I get, I walk into the career services office and, you know, I'm like, I don't know what to major in. And she said to me all the things we always hear like, follow your bliss, do, do what you love or whatever it is. And I just remember leaving feeling more confused than mm-hmm. when I got there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just thought, well, I guess I'll major in government because I want to make an impact. I want to be helpful. I always had the way I
1: did the same.
0: Really? (laughs) I majored in economics and
1: international relations. Oh, fun. And I probably should have majored in business, but it wasn't available or in communication or in journalism. I don't know, but it wasn't that.
0: Yeah. And here we both are on this podcast. Yeah. It's like, I think that 9-11 happening when I was in high school, I think different generations have different formative moments. And for mm-hmm. me, 9-11, if you're a millennial, you knew, you know where you were standing during 9-11. You were probably in school and it, it impacted you in some way. And I had family on the East Coast. I think that Generation Z, the pandemic is very similar for them, the way that yeah. it impacted them during these formative educational years. So- I just remember thinking, I want to be helpful. I'm great at learning languages. I spoke Spanish at a young age. I learned Arabic and French. The Arabic and Spanish have pretty much faded away, but I'm totally bilingual in French. And I just was going to
1: conduct this interview in Spanish, Ashley. I'm sorry. You know, it's my first language, don't you?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was, I do know that, which is so (laughs) impressive. I mean, I spoke Spanish at a young age, but it's, it's faded and the French kind of just lent itself to me studying Middle East and North Africa, um, learning Arabic, putting all of myself into that career. I just thought I could be of service. I'm good at languages and I'm interested in politics. I grew up around it. Why not? Right. That's literally what I think a lot of people are having to do when it comes to college is just like, uh, mm, okay, why not? Mm-hmm. Versus like really knowing yourself and being able to choose something from that space. Right. So I, I just kind of chose my major, built it, um, got the internships. I worked for Arnold Schwarzenegger. I worked for, um, in the UK, I worked for the uh, Princess Diana's law firm. It was just like, Mm-hmm. non-stop work to prove myself in this space. And eventually I got to a point where, you know, it was time for me to take action. And so mm-hmm. I moved home to LA. I couldn't get a job to save my life in Washington, DC. It was the recession. And finally I learned how to job hunt. I had no choice. Like it, you either know how to job hunt or you don't. Ah, uh huh. So, and I feel like, you know, the best jobs tend not to go to the best candidates all the time. Mm. They go to the best job seekers. So how, do you know how to be a job seeker? And that's what I learned. Um, And I ended up getting a lot of job offers, moving to DC, accepting a position at the Pentagon, and shortly into it, realizing I am way too sensitive to be working in counterterrorism. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I was thinking that this was going to be the path for me, Right. But I, I don't blame myself because being 18, 19, 20 and choosing these paths, it's like, how are we supposed to choose? How do you know? Path? Yeah. Right. Like it's kind of the equivalent of telling your kid in preschool to marry their first crush. It's right. like, that's just not how your career should work. We don't know what we want until we know what we want. We so, don't
1: know ourselves enough. Like, how are you supposed to know you're highly sensitive if you haven't exposed to experiences that show you that?
0: Yeah. And probably at eight,
1: nineteen, 19, you haven't.
0: Yeah. And your brain's not done forming till 26, according to science. So, you know, our decision making centers aren't fully formed. So I think that there's so much that goes into making career decisions. And for me, getting into counterterrorism was me kind of just taking a stab in the dark and ending up in the wrong path. I ended up getting a lot of responsibility at the Pentagon, running a program that had to do with Afghanistan. And it was doing so well that uh 12 other countries, maybe it was 14 other countries at the State Department, their ambassadors wanted the program I was initiating for Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And that was when I was asked to travel to 14 hot zones. And that was when I quit my job and accepted the fact that I'm way too sensitive. And during that whole era, I was helping people with their job hunt because I was so good at job hunting eventually that lent itself to my career coaching business my book my podcast um called U-turn the book and the podcast why mm-hmm. u-turn and um online programs helping people figure out what they want to do with their career how to get right. a job all those things so and so in the end you know you said
1: i ended up in the wrong career but really the the wrong career led you to the right career which is yeah. a lesson in and of itself right to to be curious about what's happening on the periphery, on the sidelines, you know, what are people coming to you for and and following those clues?
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think that that is really what it is when it comes to, if you're willing to really find the career that is right for you, it takes a willingness to sit in the unknown. I I really think your career path, it's almost like three lily pads. Mm -hmm. The first one is people who are just fine, you know, and by the way, I think there's two types of fine you know some people say they're fine, but they're in a lot of pain, yeah, the other yeah. people are fine, and they're actually fine, and I think it's fine to be fine and I think in personal development, sometimes we make it wrong to just be fine, to just be bopping along. nothing wrong with that, so uh, this needed to be said, yeah, <laughs> this is so yeah. important, yeah, and um, you know, I think on that first lily pad, there's some people who are truly fine with what they're doing, and there's other people who are in pain and they don't like what they're doing, but it's meeting some sort of need. And then the people on the second lily pad, I think those are the people I try to help. Those are the ones that get locked in with what is their gift. So the underlying message of my book is don't do what you love, do what mm-hmm. you are. Um And how do you figure out what you are? Right. So my book, my work, it really helps people figure out what is your gift? What's your zone of genius? Mm-hmm. Because if you can swim from that first lily pad of just being in a job to a second one where you're truly using your zone of genius people notice you. And when people notice you, you get opportunities. That's just Mm. how it works because people notice greatness. It's noticeable. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, if you think about your team right now with your podcast, you always notice who's just like in the right job, like you're just crushing it. And those people get opportunities and people on the second lily pad, life becomes a game. It becomes a filter of saying yes and saying no. It's like Mm -hmm. opportunities are coming to them like a riverbed. It's just water's just flowing at them all the time and they're just sifting through it. And if they say yes to the right opportunities, I think they get a ticket to possibly head on over to the third lily pad, which is about Dharma, which is about real life purpose. And I think the problem with the era we grew up in and the discourse that was going on is there's a lot of pressure to A, love your career. I think you should really like your career. I don't think, I think love is a very intense word for your career. Some people do love their career, but I don't think it's the place you need to go to get love. Mm. I think your career is not even a place to go find your purpose. I think your career is your place where you make a contribution to the world. what your gifts are, and you give them back to the world in some way. I think there's a fulfillment in that, and I think our purpose moves, our purpose changes over time. Yeah. And with the average working professional spending ninety thousand hours of their life at work, I mean that's two thirds of their time being awake here on the planet. Mm-hmm. Yet they, they want it to count. No. And mm-hmm. oh, go ahead, please.
1: No, I love that you said that because it it really does temper it. I mean, we do put a lot of pressure. I'll tell you, I'm from a different generation. I'm Gen X. And, you know, the narrative was completely different. I mean, the whole idea of purpose was like it wasn't a thing. It wasn't something that we even we didn't think about it. Nobody was talking about it. Um, you just went to work. And I think you just assume you, what led you there was the money, probably like, I don't think any of us had any sense. And obviously that has shifted for so many of us, but then there's that extreme shift where it's like, oh, but it has to be meaningful and purposeful. And I feel the same way. Like I do, I do believe it has to be meaningful and purposeful, but I feel like there are so many other areas in my life where I find meaning and purpose. Like it doesn't all have to be my career.
0: Yep. A hundred percent. You're correct. And I I feel like that's where people get so lost and they experience so much pain is that they put that pressure on themselves for their right. career to be their space of purpose. So maybe sometimes your career will have some purpose for you that is really deep. But I would say those three lily pads, um, each one you have to swim to, and that's mm-hmm. transition. And I think we're always in some form of transition in our lives. Yeah. And I think who you are in transition really defines who you're going to be in your career. Because mm-hmm. if in the transition between being fine and really unlocking a career path that lines with your skill set, you're just grabbing onto things, you're going to turn your resume and your time on this planet, right. especially into kind of a graveyard of trial and error. Yes. Versus being with the question. Being with the question of what are my gifts, starting to get curious around you, asking people, where have you seen me at my best? Mm-hmm. What gifts do you think that I have? Um, And asking yourself, where do I feel a sense of expansion? Where do I feel a sense of contribution? Where do I feel like I have a unique skill set? What are the tasks that I do best and what mm-hmm. skills are beneath those tasks? And yeah. those are the questions you sit with in life. And as life answers them, as you have experiences that answer those, you're able to start to pursue positions and opportunities that really do sync up with you. Yeah. It it is so true. It's so much about allowing yourself
1: to not know the answers to those those questions but be in that curious space mm-hmm. and 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 listen to others in your circle. You know, it's funny you say that because I recently in in the recent weeks, maybe months, I've had that experience myself with with my work and my students coming to me and what people have been saying. And it's like, and and my husband said to me, you know, you're in your zone of genius when you're talking about business, right? And it's Mm -hmm. like, I know, like it totally lights me up. He's like, yeah, but not when you're talking about Roth IRAs. I'm like, no, but that's the practical stuff that I get to teach people too, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, so many people are coming to me. Yeah, I can teach you so much about your money mindset. I can teach you about the mechanics, but there's a bigger piece here that people come to me all the time, right? About making more money, about that business, about, you know, creating that thing. And it's like, I'm like totally lit up when I'm having that conversation and people are totally enriched by that conversation. And it's like, it's time to do something with it. And that doesn't mean that what I've been doing till now is not valid. It's just the next step. Yes. Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. And it's exciting. It's like, okay, so now let's do a business mastermind, right? Cause that's what people are begging for. That's what we need. Right. And it's just from the listening. Mm-hmm. I think there's so much of saying in the listening to ourselves, how we feel and what, what people are the feedback we're getting from people. Yes. So with that, I mean, I guess for, you know, for me and for you, you know, we're having this conversation. It's almost intuitive. Right. But somebody listening might be saying, yeah, but I, I don't know how to connect the feeling of what feels true to me and expansive and lit up to, you know, those skill sets or those career paths that will, you know, kind of need that, 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 that which I feel right. There's people might be like, what, what practical advice do you have there for people? How do we connect the dots? Mm mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think um the first thing is to see life as an experiment. So, yeah. I think people overthink taking a, a new job. Um it's not to say you should be reckless, but I do think that if you know where you are isn't growing your natural skill set, where you feel like you have gifts or if you feel like you have to be someone else to thrive in your job. Yes, I mean, there's yes. there's a few different buckets here. I think the first thing is the what, meaning what do you do? What are the skills? If right. if the what is off, meaning you're like, for example, when I was at the Pentagon, I thought to myself, like, oh, this is great. I'm a great writer. I have to write intelligence reports. But the truth of the matter was to write an intelligence report, you're using the opposite side of your brain than a creative writer. You're uh-huh. in analysis, it's analytical. So I, I think a lot of people misunderstand their skill set. And that's why when I was working there, I felt exhausted because I was being someone else. Uh-huh. I think that's what burnout can be. Um, and so the second bucket is the how, right? Like how do you work best? That has to do with your core values. So, mm. you know, let's say you're an amazing salesperson, you love it, it's your skill set, but your one of your core values is integrity and you're selling something you don't believe in. That's going to be visceral for you. That's going to be yeah. a visceral pain point for you. So I think knowing not just what tasks can you carry out, what skill set is your best one, but how do you work best? What are those non-negotiable principles, those values by which you live your life, those key ingredients? And once you kind of know three, four, five of your core values, and I think you can find these out. I have a long list in my book. I'm sure you could Google core values lists, but words like authenticity, family, balance, wellness, money, wealth, success, security. These are all values. Um, and I think when you know what those are for you, you can kind of use them as a filter Mm -hmm. for yeses and no's like, this is a good opportunity for me. This isn't going to work because it violates my core values. So getting to know that. And then I think the third piece that no one really discusses, um, that has been really present for me. Um, I got bit by a tick with Lyme, like over 10, 15 years ago. And I used to, I I have minimal symptoms now, but I used to get sick really often Mm -hmm. It really affected my energy levels. And I remember thinking when I was a college student, like this is really going to impact me as far as, you know, being someone who can be in the workplace, being someone who can report to someone like I get sick too often for this. And so my energy levels and I'm too tired. I get too tired and it's not me complaining or just saying I'm tired. It's like my body shuts down after like four or five hours of work. And so really knowing thyself is so key. And, and I think that these are all just key to fulfillment. It's like, if yeah. you don't know yourself, you're going to say yes to things that are actually a no. And it's, right. it's really miserable to fulfill on a bunch of stuff you don't want to do. Right. If you don't know yourself well enough to say no. And then you say, you know, no to things that actually might be right for you. So, I think some of these pieces are just more tactical. Um, another piece to be more tactical about it is just having conversations with people. Right. Once you start to look at your skill set, ask yourself, who do you know that's out there using that skill set? Mm-hmm. So ask them about their career and what their tasks are that they carry out through the day. I think people lean too much on their interests, but. Your interest is a backdrop, right? Like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm interested in fashion, but if you're a UX designer, you could do UX at a fashion company the same day you can do it for a plumbing company. Like Mm -hmm. it's the same skill set. So it's really about first knowing your skill set, then having a backdrop that's interesting Mm -hmm. for you. I love
1: that. So, so there is a reverse engineer piece here, right? That, um, I find fascinating and I've, I've had to do that myself, right? Look at the people out there. That you admire, right? Like, and that you think are doing is, is, are doing something awesome that you would like to do. How, what is it about it? Like, what are what are they doing? How did they get there? Where is their blank space? Because we're all unique, right? For you, I think it's a very healthy exercise also to look at that. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think that also when you you have to be careful not to bend yourself to the workforce because I yeah. think there's so many people saying you know, what does the workforce need? And I think sometimes you miss, well, what do you need? And there's room in the workforce for that, you know, (laughs) like workforce is a very, um, you know, it's a variable place that needs a lot of skills. So, Mm -hmm. um, stop trying to build your career on just what the workforce needs and don't forget to build what you are.
1: Mm, Yeah. Yeah. So do what you are, not what you love. You talk about your experience. Well, it was more your father's experience. Um, with that kidnap, which, thank God, was not a kidnap yeah. on your TED Talk. And you come to this incredible conclusion about how we often kidnap ourselves from the lives that we want because we think there's this path that's going to help us survive or get by or pay the bills, right? Yeah. Um I would love for us to, to dive into that because so much of what keeps us stuck is, 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 it's like what you said. It's, we've literally kidnapped ourselves and, and it's hard for us to make that U-turn that you're telling us to do, right? Um, what, what can we, I guess, what can we, how can we reframe it for people? What can you, how can you paint the picture for people to see where they've kidnapped themselves?
0: Yeah, I think um one of the biggest gateways to boundaries is resentment. So mm. I think it's helpful to ask yourself like where are you resentful? Mm-hmm. Because if you have resentment, it's probably because something has trespassed upon you. Um uh, right. it's trespassed a boundary, there needs to be a boundary. So I think understanding where you start and other things end is, is mm-hmm. really important. Um, so I would do an audit right now of like, where do you feel frustrated? Where do you feel trespassed? Where do you feel infringed upon? That's where you're either being someone you're not in your career, whether it's a skill set or it's a core value thing. But I think it's key to get down to like, is it a what issue? What is your skills? Or is it a how issue, how you're mm-hmm. working? Mm-hmm. Given that we know 50% of people leave their work because of their boss, we can assume how you work the setup matters just as much as what you're working on right
1: right, right, and then there's that money piece, Ashley. Help us through that because you know money is a big part of the equation when we're making these high stakes decisions um how do we you know what, what is the role of money in the equation? I guess is my question um how much weight does it have?
0: Yeah, I think it's different. Or for- should it have? <laughs> yeah, everybody's different. Everybody's motivated by different things. Some people are motivated by simplicity and it brings them joy just to have a job that pays the bills and, you know, allows them the structure they want. Mm-hmm. Other people are motivated by money. They want to be an investor and that's what the most important thing is. And they're willing to trade years of their life for that. So I think it's a personal choice. Mm-hmm. What I will say that I see too often, is people passing on lifelong career paths that they're genuinely wanting to pursue because of the time or the money it's going to take to get there or the right. low pay they're going to have to get for a temporary period. Um, I want to re- remind anybody listening that there's room on top. You know, like I think if you want to be at, in the nonprofit space, like I had a client in my private practice who she was making 220k a year at a foundation running their fundraising. So people hear the words nonprofit and they think no profit for them and they don't pursue that entire path. So I think people automatically discount paths because of money without actually knowing the numbers. So I think that's one thing is really know the numbers. I agree. Don't be afraid to put the work in. It's it's your life and there's a fulfillment to being you. Mm -hmm. Um, Three, I think we're in a time right now where there's a lot of different work structures and it's important to know what those are. So one type of work structure that is very alive right now is polywork. You know, the millennial generation put, you know, did polywork, which is a term to ref- reference, you know, multiple jobs, m- multiple part-time jobs. They did that to keep the lights on. The recession was expensive, and they had student loans, and they needed a lot of jobs. I think now we're seeing a shift where Gen Z is using polywork to express themselves. Mm. They're- Say, hey, I don't know if I want to be a producer for film or a you know a screen screenwriter. So let me do this one part-time and that one part-time and let me figure myself out.
1: I love you that. Know,
0: it's all relevance, all valuable. So that's a really good tool to self-discover. And then the other piece is, you know, doing something part-time, which has to do with money too. I think a lot of people they have a belief collectively that a part-time job means um, maybe you're not getting as good of a job or something. Um, but mm. there's a lot of really awesome part-time jobs that the company just doesn't need to spend or have budget for someone to be full-time at that thing. Um, and I think that's really powerful. If you know you want to start a business or maybe you don't know you want to start a business. I have a lot of clients right now um, in my private practice who They've asked me to help them just start a brand, a personal brand, because they right. know they want their voice to be a subject matter expertise. They want to have influence, but they don't know what their business is yet that they want to start. They know they want to start one someday. And so they're just using this time and one of them got a part time job. 30 hours a week. And the other 10 hours a week, she's working on her brand. She's guest posting. She's guesting on podcasts. Um, she works in finance and she's doing a lot of interviews. So it's, it's been really interesting to see her build this brand. And so that when she wakes up and she has clarity on her business idea w- without forcing it on herself, right. she has an audience. So I think there's like the poly work structure, the part-time and side hustle, or create your brand structure. Um, and these all have to do with your money and your decisions. Um, and I mm-hmm. think when you make these decisions the least you could do is just take a look
1: yeah i love that you said know the numbers but then there's the, also that underlying message of don't be kidnapped by the the belief that y- you know there's no money here or i don't have enough money to pursue this there's there's options um don't get locked into that and then live a life of lack of fulfillment professionally because of that that belief yes 100% you know, and that's not to say, by the way, we should probably clarify that for a lot of these decisions, sometimes, you know, you do need financial run- runway. We're not saying be reckless either. <laughs> yeah, 100%,
0: right? Think extreme thinking, um, you know, is one of the biggest things to look out for because, um you know, one of the ways that anxiety manifests is through extreme thinking. It's either this mm. or it's that it's black or white. We tend to do this oh, because you're right. I didn't realize, yes, we want to have a sense of control. Um, and what that anxiety does is it takes us out of reality. It takes us out of checking the facts. Like, what are the actual numbers? Is it really too expensive? Is it really not enough? Did you crunch the numbers? Did you look at the facts? Mm-hmm. Um, and so instead of saying it's either this or that I can do this or that, the, the question to ask yourself is, what are my options? Right. Um, so whenever you notice yourself saying, I can't do this, if you could at least just say, well, how could I do this? Right. What it's- would make it work for me? Right. Right. It's kind of that instead of saying
1: how I can't afford it, well, how could I afford it? Right. it's It's a different question. Yeah. And yeah. I love that you said like so much clarity comes from the numbers, but there's also so much clarity that comes from this whole process that you've been describing to us, which is a very active process. Like this is not happening in your head. It's not happening in a vacuum. Like the action is where it's at. And I think this is a very important piece. Again, we get stuck in that fear and that immobility. And there's just so much to discover on the other side, but it has to be active. You, We have to be doing the thing. Yep. 100%. You know, we we're talking about Gen Z and all that. And I mean, for me, it's so exciting to see, because again, my generation just didn't, it, it was not a thing. I mean, it was not, the internet wasn't around. So the thought of like, you could do different projects at the same time wasn't even a thing, right? <laughs> but um from all, you know, we've seen so many trends, Ashley, in like such a short amount of time from the great resignation to, you know, Quiet quitting and more recently horrible layoffs, um, in corporate. I, mean, I don't know, but there was this news story. I think it was Goldman Sachs. I think it was some somewhere in Wall Street. It used to be in Wall Street, but like the way they fired people. And then there's like, you know, on top of that, we have AI and how. The workforce is responding to artificial intelligence. There's so much, so many trends going on at the same time. What's your take on like some, some of the lessons we need to be deriving from this, these things? Help us connect the dots a little bit and some lessons or recommendations.
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's so many things happening right now that it's like, it's like the post it. We're like, that's the most yes. awesome invention ever. How did we not have a thing to a wall? I think that's a lot of. Trends right now. For example, pay transparency. I just feel like with the gender gap, it's like, how was this not a trend before? How was this not happening? So I'm really excited about that innovation. As far as AI and jobs being displaced, there are a lot of jobs being displaced in customer service, in the medical space. Um, but these this is going to happen slowly over time. And I don't think it's something to be feared because the truth of the matter is according to research, I'm seeing numbers around 15% of job titles that are going to be obsolete in the next five years. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is just because we are changing. And even though we go through economic downturns, pandemics, I just want everyone to remember that people are always still hiring, always. Mm-hmm. Even if they're hiring less, they're still hiring. I also think that times of downturn are also times of great innovation. So knowing the importance of that and also upskilling, like don't get so comfortable in your job that you're not willing to upskill, like ask yourself, um, where can I grow? You know, um, I have done a lot of partnerships. You can see on my Instagram reels with General Assembly because I love that they provide so much with people in tech and they mm-hmm. have a lot of workshops. I'm pretty sure there's a code on one of my reels to get a f- access to a free workshop. Just check it out. But they have a lot of cool trainings on what is it like to be a UX designer? How do you do it? How do you train for it? all these different options. So that's just one planet for technology. Mm-hmm. Um, but just because we're rising in AI doesn't mean technology is the only thing that's needed. It's, you know, I think a lot of futurists are talking about how soft skills are what's so important yeah. in today's workplace. And, you know, I, I want to echo that. I think a lot of people in the workplace, especially because 50% of people leave with bad bosses, Mm-hmm. They're dysregulated. They don't know how to manage themselves. They don't know how to manage conflict. And I get it. It's hard. It's stressful. And your money and your success and your reputation and providing for your family, all these things can feel like they're on the line right, at work right. and you don't want somebody else to mess with that stuff. That being said, people don't know how to communicate. So if you are an excellent communicator, if you can manage people effectively, if you can work under stress, and if you can communicate that with mm-hmm. stories, not just telling them, but showing them through stories in your past jobs, um, people are going to want to work with you because they yeah. need some peace in an otherwise very chaotic work world.
1: Yeah. Which kind of reminds me of like, you know, quiet quitting. And like this, it's, there's something very like passive aggressive about that. And if you really are a good communicator and if you really apply those soft skills, like a lot of that can dissipate, you know, we don't have to
0: go that route. Yeah. The quiet quitting wasn't really my favorite trend. Yeah. I just, I, (laughs) you know, I don't know. I do a lot of PR for, um, I'm spokesperson over at SoFi. Oh, uh uh-huh. When they have me do PR, sometimes I'll get on a TV interview, and the news anchor is like, "Great resignation, you know what are What is this about? Quiet quitting?" And so I think sometimes you know people are just trying to create media trends and terms to kind of give us something to talk about. You know, (laughs) Um, I think quiet quitting is pretty obvious. It's just a reflection of how burnt out the workforce is. Mm -hmm. I think to put in the work and you can't quite quit if you want to keep your job, um, if quiet quitting means being passive and not doing your work. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think setting boundaries is healthy and I don't think it needs to be as extreme as a term called quiet quitting.
1: Right. Yeah. 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 It's just just healthy boundaries, people. Yeah.
0: And and by the way, if you have too much on your plate, here's a great way to tell your boss to help you prioritize. Say, hey, can we have a meeting really quick? I just want to show you what, make sure my priorities are right with what I'm working on. Right. And then you can have a list and say, here's the projects I have on deck. Here's when I'm doing them. Um, Here's what is on the side for once I'm done with these. Is there something you want me to rank differently or reprioritize? That's a way of saying, this is what my hours can do. Help me work my hours right. Mm-hmm, hmm yeah. You know and if they're pushing to put more and say given my hours I don't think that there's enough hours in my work week to to do that and deliver that. Right. And 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 then going back
1: to the you piece of this the example you just gave us it's also a way to tell yourself like, you know, what what do I like about this part, you know, these tasks that I I've been handed what what is it not in my ge- zone of genius and I probably should talk about that with my manager right or right so yep. it's also respecting you and, and getting clear and who, again going back to do what you are not what you love but really honor who you are yep. and that's a better employee that's a better boss that's a better manager that's a, that's better on so many levels 100% so we're all going back circle to your book and your podcast. I love it. Now, I do have to circle back to because to how you made the change. You were in career, you were in a counterterrorism and you know, you became an expert at at job seeking and and the whole process and you helped people with that. But then I could just, I could just hear somebody in the audience saying, "Oh, but I probably need another degree in that, or I need another training, or I need, you know what I'm saying? Like, I need you to help us debunk that and maybe even connect it with your story. Like, you know, here you were making a pivot, help people with that. Because I hear women do this all the time. And I'm like, no, not really. Like you are enough exactly what you, where you are.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. I think that one of the most important, things when you're wanting to make a pivot is to take the thread of your past, what are the skills you've been using and make it make sense for the thread of your future. Because you can go from fashion into tech and take a look at, well, what skills did I learn in tech or fashion that is relevant for the other one.
1: Mm-hmm. And your resume
0: is a, it's a marketing document. So mm-hmm. you have to remember that how much real estate you give something on your resume should be directly proportionate to how relevant it is for where you're headed. So I want to say that again. How much space you give something on your resume should be directly tied to how relevant that thing is mm. for where you're headed. So if 80% of your work um, isn't relevant, you know, as far as the skills for where you're headed, you don't want to lead as much with that on your resume. You can share it, but you also want to be able to demonstrate these other skills that are very relevant. And I think that we're using all sorts of skills every single day. Right. Right. I think that's a very,
1: very good piece of advice and, and not just your resume, but your LinkedIn profile, right? Exactly. <laughs> and sometimes we're so scared because it's like, no, but I, people know that I've been doing this other thing for 20 years. How do I just like, you know, kind of like not shine that it's and it's like, just there's a twist here. And that's yeah. where work. I think that's really uh, working with a good career coach that could help you see that and help you clarify that and how to sell yourself. Um, If you're now that you've gotten clear that you want to go in another direction is so key. Yeah, a 100%. <laughs> Talking about LinkedIn. Now that I'm back on LinkedIn after so many years, <laughs>
0: <laughs> welcome back!
1: Welcome back! I'm actually enjoying the platform so much. I I, I didn't know it was so enjoyable in there.
0: Oh yeah, God,
1: there's such good content. I know. Where was I the last twenty years? <laughs> I know. It's good stuff. <laughs> so, any any words there on you know yeah. I I on how how do we present ourselves there?
0: Well, you just want to remember that. People who have a profile picture. So you want to make sure you have a really professional picture. Your profile looks good. It looks clean. It makes sense. I know that these things sound obvious, but they're just not. Yeah. Um, and what's key about this is that your profile is usually around nine times more likely to get viewed. Um, if not more. Also, the majority of recruiters are looking at your social media, including LinkedIn when they're making a hiring decision. So as Mm. much as you want to remove your Cabo, you know, spring break photos from your Facebook, you also want to do a sweep of your LinkedIn. I don't think it matters that you're super active on LinkedIn. I think it matters that your profile professionally reflects where you want to be and what you're up to and that you have a picture, you have Mm -hmm. a clear bio, and you use the keywords that reflect the skill sets and the types of jobs that you want to have. And I I like this, where you want to be.
1: Again, we go back to that, like the threat, like your past be, what was it? The threat of your past
0: be the threat for your future.
1: future. Yes. 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 Which then brings me to this idea because People struggle also with this newer idea of the hyphens, right? But I have so many roles and I have so many interests and I'm a podcast host and I'm a this and I'm a that.
0: That's not to say that that can't be true as long as there's a thread, right? Yeah, Ashley. Exactly. And if you look at like being a nurse and then being a customer service rep, the nurse learns bedside manner, how to Mm -hmm. be warm with people. Same thing as a customer service rep. So it's it's really, you can, it's up to you to ask yourself that question and really draw that connection but it's there if you want to find it.
1: Yeah, it it's there. I want to ask you uh, I want to go a little bit personal mm-hmm. because so much of what we learn, you know, so much of what the way we behave in adult in adulthood has to do with the way, you know, we were raised. What what were some of the lessons in your parents' home growing up around money, around making a living? Any lessons
0: that helped you or that maybe even hurt you in adulthood? Yeah. Now looking back. A hundred percent. My dad is one of the most fun people I know, but he likes to say yes. And that means that he's always spending more than what he has. So I grew up in a house where my dad loved to spend uh-huh. and you kind of knew how we were doing because we either had a new boat in the driveway or a new car or we were selling the new boat or the new car. <laughs> <laughs> For me as an adult um building my business, I think there's a lot of cultural things that we can hide behind that are not healthy like sh- shopaholics. Like if you have a lot of wealth, you can be a shopaholic and not actually have to take ownership of that because it's right. hiding. Right. Workaholics, I think workaholics are celebrated. Um, And so I think like retail therapy and all that kind of stuff, um, I hid behind my business. I was like, it's okay for me to overspend because it's for my business. It's an investment in my future. And it wasn't until later that I looked in the mirror and said, I deserve to make profits. I don't have to always be investing in getting bigger and not just being here. Mm-hmm. And if there's anything... I've learned when it comes to money, it's my patterns. And I think you're the first person probably to say everybody has different patterns. One of the patterns that kept me disempowered was not knowing where my money was going. Like I knew that I had revenue coming in and expenses going out, but I didn't want to look at what exact expenses were there. What was the range on a low month or a high month? What's my monthly nut, these things sound obvious, but I think for a lot of us, it can be daunting and our mind can shut down and we don't want to know that information. So for me, it, it was like I had to go through a whole physical response in my body that resisted. Yes. Those answers. Like my body gets tired when I think about having to look at all the numbers. Um, but I've grown up into someone who values that. And now I'm still, still something I work on. Um, but I'm a, I'm a real estate investor. I'm actually sitting right now in a guest house of a property I bought with my brother. And the reason I was late for this podcast interview, we we delayed it by 15 minutes was because the counters were getting installed. So I just love to, you know, expand my life. And Mm -hmm. I think money is a tool to leave a mark in different ways that you want to. And I realized I was holding myself back through these patterns that I'd learned growing up. And agreed. I, I think it's, 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 it's awesome that
1: you're so honest about it. And you're so, it's, I'm glad that you learned these lessons early on. You know, for some of us, it takes us decades, right? Um, sometimes even, you know, failures in our marriage and things like that to really come to terms with what's been going on with our money story and our patterns. And like you said, the numbers, as scary as they might be for some of us, actually give a lot of clarity. Um, and I, I what were, what were some of the things you did to, to help you through that small resistance? Did you like start scheduling little dates? How did you trick yourself? Cause it's all about tricking ourselves into the behavior that we're resisting. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like I would say one thing that's really important is to be honest with yourself about what kind of support you need. So I needed therapy for it, not just for money, but I, value talking to someone. I lost a sibling at a young age. I just use therapy as a place to kind of process life. I used to go once a week. Now it's like once a month, once every other month. But when I wanted to work on money, I was seeing her quite often. And I knew that on Zoom, I need to share the screen with her and make the spreadsheet with her because I knew I wouldn't want to do it by myself because that's my pattern. I love it. I love it. I hope everybody's taking example from
1: you. This is awesome. Ashley Stahl, you're amazing. I mm-hmm. mean, I mean, I'm like total fan right now. I'm so excited. What's next? I mean, you've, you've achieved so much. Now you're into real estate too, but what's next professionally? What's, what, what's, what's exciting you right now?
0: Mm, I'm working on a workbook that supports and just kind of allows people to take the U-turn book further. Nice. So, um, those who have read the book and, or who haven't, it's called U-turn Y-O-U get unstuck, discover your direction, design your dream career. So the workbook is just going to have more exercises, more depth. Um, I'm also going to write a poetry collection at some point. I'm thinking about motherhood. Really? I'm investing in more real estate, but I'm really I'm quite chilled. I'm not really looking to be bigger or more. I am in my business. Like I enjoy where I am. I enjoy my private practice and I guess I'm fine being fine. I guess that's, maybe it's me that needed that message. <laughs>
1: nice. It's such an important message. And I love that I'm also hearing like this. I just had a conversation with Eve Rotsky on the podcast about finding your unicorn space. So I love that I heard, you know, I'm thinking of other things here and there. Like, okay, I can find my unicorn space. It doesn't have to be all work. And, you know. Exactly. Exactly. I, I love it. I love it. All right, everybody. The book is U-Turn. I
0: absolutely am a big fan and we can find you where, Ashley? Tell us where we can find you. I'm on Instagram at Ashley Stahl or you can find me on the U-Turn podcast. Same spelling, Y-O-U-Turn podcast. Amazing. Thank you so much. This was so insightful. I loved it. Thank you for having me.
1: Thanks to Ashley Stahl for being here. It's the first day of the Hebrew month of Adar when we increase in joy. So if your career is not helping you in the joy department, then let's do something about it. Get her book. Again, that is U-Turn, Get Unstuck, Discover Your Direction, Design Your Dream Career. Or turn to her website and you can find her at ashleystahl.com for I'm sure plenty of resources to help you. Thanks to you, my dear listeners, for being here today. I know you have tons on your plate, and I really appreciate that you take the time to listen as you go about your day. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please head over to the Apple Podcast rate and review section and leave a rating and review. I will be picking a reviewer of the week on Friday's episode to win a 20-minute call with me, and be sure to send in those questions. It's not too late to do that. I will be here answering those. I will see you Friday. Happy month of Adar, and have a great day.